Hey y'all, I'm Donna. And I'm Carrie. And we are Paranormal Chicks. Episode 251. Sutton? I don't know. <laughs> okay. All right. Off to a great start. New year, same shit. <laughs> Speaking of same shit, Patreoners! Ooh. They're like the shit. Yeah, but me saying Patreoners, same shit. Oh, okay. That's what I meant. Oh, okay. Okay. Thank you so much, Jill L. From not sure where you're from, so let us know so we can send you your thank you note and stickers. Katie P. from Texas. JoJo M. from California. Aubrey C. from Ohio. Heidi B. from Connecticut. Which I learned to spell last night from Carrie. Connect I Cut. Yep. Carol F. from Pennsylvania. And Celine J. from Georgia. Thank y'all so much for joining Patreon. If you want all the business they be getting every week, head on over to patreon.com slash the APC podcast. Okay, I said this saying the other day at work. Everybody died out laughing because they thought I didn't know what I was talking about because they had never heard the saying before. All right, lay it on me. You put the emphasis on the wrong syllable. Yes. One coworker had heard it, and that's because... Austin Powers. No. I always heard it in show choir, like in choir and stuff. Yeah, Because no. you're putting, like, the emphasis on the wrong part of the word uh-huh. in the song, like, when you're singing. So, like... Yeah, no, I learned that from Austin Powers. Well, the only coworker that knew it is because their spouse is a teacher and says it. And I was like... Phew. That's hilarious. Apparently, it's a teacher thing. They died out laughing because they thought I was saying emphasis wrong. Like, they, oh, like I would they, think you would say no, syllable. All, well, wrong. all they heard was the emphasis, and they were like, oh, my God. Like, they didn't even hear the rest yeah. because they were like, oh, my God, what? <laughs> yeah. Well, that was a today I learned for them. Right. But I also had a today I learned that people are totally different because my coworker came back from, like, a month-long break, and... She was like, girl, I have been so saddened by that guy. And I interrupted. And I was like, the Idaho suspect? One, of course you interrupted. (laughs) Right? And she was like, no, I can't remember his name. Like, she remembered, but I can't remember his name. But the Monday Night Footballer. Damar Hamlin. Okay, yes. (laughs) And I was like, oh. And so... We both told each other about what we were talking about. And she was like, so different, but so the same. Like, in everything else. But I, of course, was like, glued about true crime. And she loves sports. So she was glued about that. It was so funny. Well, I'm invested in both of those stories. Although, I have found that I think why I don't get into, like, current true crime, though, is because I even said this about Damar Hamlin. I was like, I need to fast forward and know how this ends. Like, I think that's why I don't like current true crime stuff. Like, I want to watch it when it's all over. So I know exactly how it ended. Like, I I don't like the anticipation, the who did it, you know, especially too, because when they're like, what about the roommates? What about this? I'm like, you're ruining these people's lives that may or may not have had anything to do with it. Yeah. You know, when you're like in the midst of it, obviously they've arrested somebody now, but it's like, you know, even then, I mean, think about how many times people get arrested for stuff and it's not them who did it. I mean, I'm sure it is, allegedly. But you know what I mean? It's like, well, we don't know yet. Well, I'm nosy as fuck, so I'm in all of it. But that's how I was with the Lori Vallow case when it was current. Uh I was like, I just want to know when it's done. Yeah. Did you hear about the Utah family? Yes. Oh, my gosh. He killed, like, five five kids and and the wife? Yeah. And one of the kids, I think they range from 17 to, like, four years old. Yeah. Well, you know, we're always hopeful that 
things in the new year will be great and all the things. But we have now since, what was it, 2019, we're not like, new year, it's going to be amazing. We've dampened that. Yeah, we've definitely lowered our expectations because I know mine's been shit already. Mine too. My bathroom flooded yesterday, but luckily... Colby married into my life too. <laughs> and so he came and helped save the day. Bless his heart was sopping wet. <laughs> yeah. Tiffany asked, do I need to come help? I said, yeah, bring your wrench and come on. Like, what are you going to do? <laughs> At least she offered. But Donna said, uh, no, our shared husband is on his way back to save the day. It's <laughs> <laughs> like, oh God, thank you, Colby. Because the plumber said it was going to be almost $400 just to come out. That's not including anything else they needed to do. Yeah. Mm -mm. And I was like, oh, no, I can't do that. Thank you, though. (laughs) Meanwhile, my mom needed a plumber that very day as well. But Colby couldn't do it because they had to cut in her wall. And she's sick and all the things. Yeah. Like, my poor mama can't catch a break. No. But luckily, your bathroom's fixed. Yes. And uh, hopefully, no damage on your floor. Oh, my gosh. To be determined, but it doesn't seem like it is. Yeah. I turned to Carrie and I said, well, it's supposed to be water resistant. And she said, it's supposed to be scratch resistant. And, you know, she scratched it like the first day. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, everyone else has too. But I'm like, you're right about that. But we're going to be hopeful that it's water resistant. It does pretty good with Marley, and she's Captain Wetbeard, and she just, like, dribbles it everywhere by her stuff, and it hasn't messed up yet, so we'll just see. Mm-hmm. We're literally a week into the new year, and I'm like, I'm so ready for a vacation. <laughs> but I also think it's because we actually do have a vacation coming up, so the closer you get to an actual vacation, you're, like, needing it more and more and more. yeah. Because we're going on a cruise next month. And I am so excited. Because Colby and I have never together been on a vacation purely for vacation. Like we've always gone somewhere for something. Like, you know, go to New Orleans for like a Mardi Gras ball. or Which is totally fun. and But like it's always for something. It's like one night or... Well, y'all been to the beach. We still haven't ever been anywhere by ourselves. Yeah, that's true. Even this cruise isn't going to be by ourselves. (laughs) And that, you can't count that because we stayed in the condo with my sister and her kids. Love them to death. We stayed on an air mattress. Like, we didn't have our own space. (laughs) And then the kids play on the air mattress in between. So you got little sandy sand in your air mattress. This is why, I know I can't do that. I'd be like, no, I don't want to come to the beach if I have to do that. Well, shit, it's expensive. But that's why we're doing a cruise, because in the scheme of vacations, that is way inexpensive. Yes. I mean, you're literally getting your whole vacation for what some hotels cost a night. Exactly. And all night pizza. And foods included. Like, literally, you know, one person's entire vacation is what some hotel rooms are a night. Yeah. I haven't been on a cruise in a long time. It's been probably seven years since I've been on one. Girl, we all know from last episode, I don't know years, because I was like, it's been 10 years, and you're like, it's been 18 or something from Nashville, but I think I've been on one after you, maybe? Uh Uh-uh. Oh, no? No. See, I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) But they are a lot of fun, and I can't wait for the stories that come out after the cruise. Well, you got a while. We're going in February. (laughs) Y'all, if this damn dog of mine does not stop marking in my GD house, I'm going to need a new dog. Good thing he's so cute. 
somebody told me about this barrier spray. You can get it for outside too, but uh, so thank you, Amazon. That is on its way. Because there's like three areas he likes. Yeah. And he knows because one day we came home and he was sitting in his kennel. I said, what the fuck did he do? <laughs> it took us forever to figure it out. And Colby was like, I've never seen a dog that has constant access to outside, pee inside. Yeah. That's potty trained. That's what happens when you get him uh, fixed too late. He was already two when we got him. I'm really wanting a puppy right now. Girl, I was about to say, this is what cracks me up, that you want a puppy. But I don't. Like, I, yeah. puppies are freaking exhausting. But I, this is what I want. I want a girl English bulldog, and I want to name her Maisie. <laughs> I've never had a girl dog. We've always had boys. I've always had girls. Well, I had one boy, but he was one of my dad's dogs. Yeah. And I was little, so I didn't really take care of him. You yeah. know what I mean? But me... I've only had female dogs. I just need somebody to just train it for me. I don't have one time or energy. Or the patience. Let's go with, I don't have, I'm lazy. (laughs) I'm not about the life of trying to train a fucking puppy. Which is why I'm like, don't get a puppy. Oh, I'm not. I'm not getting it. I just want it. Logical Carrie will win out. (laughs) Because I'm lazy. Okay, lazy Carrie will win out. (laughs) They both start with L's, so there you go. Well, before we get in, we got to talk about Babbel. Talk about starting off a new year, right? Learn a new language? Yes, please. So y'all might know Babbel is a language learning app, and it sold more than 10 million subscriptions. So when you think about learning a new language, that sounds daunting. But with Babbel, you only need 10 minutes to complete a lesson. And with Babbel, you can start having real-life conversations in a new language in as little as three weeks. So whether your new year is going to bring you new travel, jobs, or you just want to learn a new skill, You should try Babbel because their teaching method has been scientifically proven to be effective. They have fun and easy bite-sized language lessons. Like I said, only 10 minutes. And let me just say, anything bite-sized, I love. In more ways than one. (laughs) With Babbel, you can choose from 14 different languages. And they use a speech recognition technology that helps improve your pronunciation and your accent. Which is so important. And that's what scares me the most. When you already have such a deep accent to learn the proper accent with the words, for me, that's the game changer. Right. And you know, they got games. And you know how I feel about phone games. They're your jam. Like literally, it's my favorite thing to do in life. (laughs) So... Look, you can use podcasts, videos, stories, even the live classes, but my favorite, the games. And here's the kicker. Babbel comes with a 20-day money-back guarantee. So start your new language learning journey today with Babbel. Right now, you can get up to 55% off your subscription when you go to babbel.com slash creep. That's babbel, B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash creep. For up to 55% off your subscription. Look, we love life and Babbel's the language for life. So head on over to babbel.com slash creep for up to 55% off your subscription. Babbel.com slash creep. While we're at it, we got to tell y'all about Manicora. This is game changing honey. Did you just call me honey? I did. And you didn't. No. <laughs> Manicora is honey. 
it's unlike any honey that I've ever had before. But you know, a lot of people have tasted my honey pot. No one has tasted this. Wow. Okay. <laughs> okay, please don't leave us, Mandacora. <laughs> did you know that the best taste in honey comes from New Zealand? I did not, but I know one of the best accents does. <laughs> Y'all, in this, let's call it a remote, magical forest, bees feed on the highly active nectar of the Manuka tea tree. And that makes a super honey. It's got all the good good and then some. Because we all know honey's good. But this takes it to a whole nother level. One of the things about Manicora is that they use ethical beekeeping practices and it keeps it 100% raw. Because it has unique antioxidants, prebiotics, and natural antibacterial compound, and it's called MGO. Let's see what we think it's called. Manuko, good enough for an orgasm. Oh, yes. <laughs> that ain't what it stands for, but, you know, in our brains it does. Yes, and that is what comes from that nectar of the tea tree. It is super unique. I've never tasted anything like it. It has such a creamy texture. It almost looks like caramel. I opened it and tried it before we got all the information from the company. And I was like, this looks like caramel because it's such a different honey. I had me a little spoonful this morning and it is yummy. But let your imagination run wild. You don't need just a spoonful. You can put that on ice cream. You can put it in coffee or tea or, you know, use it however else you want to. Okay. Colby was like, ooh, we need to try it on biscuits. Ooh, now that does sound good. <laughs> but, you know, some people even put honey, like, in their salad dressing and stuff. I had no idea people do that. I know. I'm a ranch girl. Me too. But there are tons of other ways to eat this honey. Honey? <laughs> you just eat yours because I want all mine to myself. I really liked the texture of it, though, because it is so freaking different being like a caramel texture. And it's really rich. Mm -hmm. I'm super excited to incorporate it into my diet because of the prebiotics in it, too. Yes, because we all know digestion is something that I have a, a honeypot of issues with. <laughs> Very true. <laughs> Manicor's Super Honey is available in a range of easy-to-use formats, including squeeze bottles and compostable honey stick packs, so you can eat it straight or add it to your favorite food or beverage. If you head to manucora.com slash creep, you'll automatically get a free pack of honey sticks with your order. That's a $15 value. So head on over to Manicora, that's M-A-N-U-K-O-R-A dot com slash creep to get a free pack of honey sticks with your order. It's called honey with superpowers for good reason. So get on it, try this delicious, creamy caramel honey, and you won't look back. So run, do not walk, get a taste of this. Go to M-A-N-U-K-O-R-A dot com slash creep. C-R-E-E-P. One of my favorite websites to use when I'm doing research for an episode is All That's Interesting. Oh, I like that one too. But one of my favorite parts about it is when you read an article at the bottom, it's like, if you like that, you'll like this. And this is kind of totally giving away my story, but I was really feeling something in the Joseph Fritzl era. Oh, okay. I literally said Joseph Fritzl, All That's Interesting, went down, took a couple of little 
turns along the, if you like this, you might like this, because some of them I had done, some of them I didn't want to do, yada, yada, yada. And that led me to the Sally Horner case. Okay, picture it. It's 1948, and we're in Camden, New Jersey. Sally lived with her mom, and from what I understand, her older sister and her sister's husband, like freshly married, lived there as well. Sally was just 11 years old. Now, there's not a lot that's very clear about Sally's dad. One YouTube I watched said that he had died by suicide when Sally was really little. Other stuff was like, we actually don't know. So was Sally born out of wedlock, you know, to maybe even a married man? There's lots of um, speculation about who her dad was. Okay. Because it's 1948. So that would have meant she was born in, I don't know, 1927. So uh, her mom's not going to be like, oh, yeah, had sex with uh, somebody before we were married and uh, I'm pregnant. You know, right. Did I do that math right? Girl, don't look at me. 37, not 27. (laughs) Everybody, when I first said it was like, oh, I don't think that's right. (laughs) I had to do my ADHD math minus 10 and then minus one more because she was 11. I don't understand it. See, I, it's, my brain works weird with numbers sometimes. So Sally's family was rather poor. Her mom worked a couple of like odd jobs and that about their socioeconomic status comes into play later. So that's why I'm telling you about that. So there was this group of girls at school that were the cool kids. Like picture exactly what you think of when you think of this cool group of girls that Sally really wanted to join. But they had a rule. In order to join their club, you had to do something. Picture straight 1948 girls (laughs) group of a gang. Yeah. She had to go to Woolworths and steal a five cent notebook. Well, Sally had never sold anything before. So she was like, oh my God, she was super, super, super nervous about it. So she goes in and goes to grab the notebook, stuffs it in her bag, is heading out the store when somebody grabbed her arm. Oh, no. And she's, I ma- imagine, I don't know, but I imagine that she's like, fuck, 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 you know? Yes. Like, she thought she was free and clear, and somebody grabbed her arm. She was busted. And not only was she busted, he was a freaking FBI agent. No! So basically, he was like, I saw you, you're under arrest. And she's like, fuck because she's like her mom they has so much going on her sister's about to have a baby she just doesn't want to have to make that call to her mom to be like i got busted stealing this notebook right now where they were right across the road basically was city hall and he was like when girls like you steal that's where you go And you're going to end up going to the reformatory. And that is like terrifying for her because she's, you know, heard so much Mm -hmm. bad stuff about that. And she's like, you know, freaking out because she doesn't want to go to the reformatory and she doesn't want to have to tell her mom. And he's like, but you know what? You're lucky that I'm the one that caught you. You have to report to me from time to time just so I can make sure that you're staying in line. But I'm going to let you go. Oh, gosh. Scared her straight. She's like, yeah. Okay, 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 okay. I mean, if I were her right then, I would be like, oh my God, I just won the lottery. But me being me knows it's probably it's not good. So Sally goes home, pretends like nothing happens, gets up and goes to school the next day. And on her way home, the very next day, she sees the FBI agent again. And he tells her, 
you know what? You stole that and this isn't good enough. So the government wants me to take you to Atlantic City. Oh, gosh. He said, you've got to tell your mom that I'm the dad of two school friends and that I'm taking all of y'all to the shore for vacation. Sally's like, again, fuck, 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 fuck. I don't want to tell my mom about this. So, okay. Yeah. So the guy ends up calling her mom to be like, hey, I'm taking my kids. Like, you know, we're going to take her with me. Yada, yada, yada. And she's like, okay, cool. So the mom takes her to the bus stop to meet him to go on this vacation and thinks nothing of it. Because, you know, in her mind, she's like, I don't have the money to give her a vacation. Yeah. I want her to be able to have fun. So absolutely, if this family's wanting to take you, go ahead. Because, again, it was 1948. You wouldn't think anything of that. Right. But unfortunately... As you all, of course, know, that was not an FBI agent. That was Frank LaSalle. We think that's his name. Oh, gosh. Yeah, we don't actually know. So Frank LaSalle has over 20 aliases. And we don't know exactly when he was born or anything for sure. But it seems that Frank LaSalle is most likely his real name. So a lot of this information came from Sarah Weinman and her work called The Real Lolita because back in 1956, Vladimir Nobokov wrote a book called Lolita. Yeah, I have it. You have this book? Yes. Why does that not surprise me? (laughs) Hello. So do you know, have you read it or do you just have the book? Yeah, I've read it. Okay. So that book is based on sally's story oh but the book basically who would be frank lasalle is like a cultured gentleman who actually likes 12 year old girls right and basically sarah wyman wrote her piece to say like this is the real lolita and this is what really happened not this fantasy that the lolita book painted where it almost made it seem like a love story. I was going to say it romanticized it. Yeah. And later, you know, he came out and was like, no, that's not what I wanted that to be. That wasn't meant to be a love story. That was not meant to romanticize it at all. But it it seems like it did. Of course, I haven't read it. You have. And so Sarah Wyman wrote The Real Alita to be like, this was real. And this was not, should have not been romanticized at all. Yeah. So Frank LaSalle at the time was going by the alias Frank Warner. And he now has sally they go to atlantic city they, they really do go to atlantic city and he actually has sally call her mother like every week her mother writes her letters and all the things she tells her mom like how she's having such a great time you know it, she does exactly what you would think a daughter would do on vacation with like a family friend But after the first week, Sally tells her, hey, we're actually going to stay longer. You know, the next week she calls and she's like, oh, we're actually going to stay a little bit longer. And after a couple of weeks, it started becoming more vague. Like, because at first she was like, we're specifically staying to see the ice follies. Yeah. And then, you know, the next week or so, it was just more like, hey, we're just going to stay. And then after she was gone for three weeks... Ella Horner, her mom, stopped getting calls, period. 
like I said, Ella was writing letters, and then the letters couldn't be delivered anymore. Oh, no. And so her mom was like, something's wrong. Like, it was like it just clicked for her, like, wait, this isn't good. Like, something's really wrong with Sally. And I think the thing that really, like, was the snap for her was because Sally called and said that she and Frank were going to Baltimore. And she's like, I didn't fucking sign up for that. Y'all were supposed to be going, you know, just up the road, still in Jersey, to the shore. Like, wait, what? And on July 31st of 1948, that's when Ella was like, this is not right. And she called police. I feel so bad when, you know, she felt so, like, naive and... It makes her look bad to the police because, okay, so you just let your daughter go off with this stranger for three weeks or, you know, whatever. And it's like, okay, but taking to consideration of everything, she didn't know. Oh, absolutely. And she really just wanted her daughter to have a vacation. Like, there was, again, it was just such a different time. I mean, think of even how things were just back in the 70s and the 90s and how much things have changed since then of our I mean it's to the point now where you know a lot of people won't even let their kids have sleepovers with friends because of the issues that could happen or the things that could happen to them and I mean that's a shift even since the early 2000s yeah so I mean just I mean we've we've shifted so much in our thinking culturally of what we allow our kids to do versus what it was like even 10, 20 years ago. So think about 1948 and how different that was and how much independence kids had. And you just didn't think that people were actually pedophiles. Well, and also he met the mom, you know, talked to the mom and then allowed Sally to call home and stuff. So you really feel, no, this is true. Like, it's all good. Because if it was bad, he wouldn't let her do this. So when Ella called the police, they went straight to Atlantic City to the place where they had been staying because she had the address. She had, I mean, she was mailing letters and stuff. So they go and interview people and they found out that Frank was acting like he was Sally's father, which you would expect so that people who were around them would not get suspicious. But they found a couple of suitcases of clothes, They found some letters and stuff that Sally was supposed to send to her mom and friends that just never got sent. And they found this picture of Sally that's kind of this iconic picture of her that Ella had never seen. Like it was something that Frank had taken. She was just a kid sitting on a swing. It's so heartbreaking. What has her life been like with him over these few weeks? But looking at that picture, she really does look like an 11-year-old girl. Like you can tell... She's like a little bit older, like she's not like kid kid, but she's still a kid. You know, she's yeah. an, she looks like an eleven year old. I don't know. It just struck me and was just because you know the story. I guess it's more of a heartbreaking picture. Yeah. Do you think at that point when he took that picture, anything had happened? Absolutely. You think so? Yeah, because when the police realized from all their evidence and stuff who had taken Sally, that's when they realized that. Frank LaSalle had only been out of prison for six months. He had been in prison for statutory rape. Oh, gosh. So let's talk a little bit about Frank. He was a mechanic that worked odd jobs. That's how he got his money. And that's how he made money while he had Sally. He had been married at one point to a girl named, yes, I said girl, named Dorothy Dare. So she was younger when... Frank had met her. 
she was 17 and had just graduated high school. So she was underage. Like, could you think of like, she'd graduated high school, but no, she was underage. Now, Dorothy had issues with her parents. Her dad was super, super strict. So she ended up running away with Frank. Now, at the time, Frank was literally twice her age. So after she ran off, Dorothy's dad was pissed and called police and wanted him arrested. By the time that the police found them, they came in, arrested him, took her in, and he was like, you got nothing on me. We got married. Okay, you know that documentary that shocked everyone? And now they have on Peacock, like, a friend of the family, and it's that Bob Birchtall or whatever. Abducted in plain sight? Yes, that one. It seems like he got all of his M.O. from this. Yeah. So they couldn't charge him with anything because they got married in Maryland. Which, by the way, there should not be different ages in different states for marriage. Like, I'm sorry. If you are not allowed to have sex with someone because of their age, they damn sure shouldn't be able to get married. Right. And without consent. Right. What? I'm sorry. Even, even with consent. Oh, for sure. If they are under the age of 18, they should not be able to get married. And I know that there are stories of people who got married and they have made it last for decades. They mm-hmm. got married young. But I'm sorry. If you are not able to legally vote or, you know, do anything, you should not be able to get married. Agreed. An 18-year-old has no business marrying a fucking 14-year-old, a 15-year-old. A 20-year-old has no business marrying a 17-year-old. Yeah. They're, they're still a child. And it's like, what's a, couple of, what's a couple of weeks if they're about to turn 18? Well, yeah, what's a couple of weeks? Just fucking wait. Yeah. So they got married, and it worked for a few years. They ended up having a kid. At some point... In their marriage, Frank got arrested for bigamy, but he was acquitted of that. There's not a lot known of that. When their kid was about three years old, Dorothy ended up suing him for desertion and um, not paying child support. But that's really all we know about that. We do know that in 1942, that's when he was arrested for statutory rape of five girls between the ages of 12 and 14. Super gross. Mm-hmm. At first, he pleaded not guilty and then he ended up basically not contesting it. It's kind of it seems kind of like an Alfred plea, but that's not what they called it. But like, I'm not confessing, but you could probably convict me, so I'm just gonna I'm not gonna contest it. Yeah, he was sentenced to like two and a half to five years in prison, but he got paroled after just 14 months. Oh my gosh! Right, about a year after he was paroled, he got arrested because he forged a check for like 110 dollars. So he had to go back to prison and had to serve out like 18 more months of that original prison sentence. So he basically served more time for forging the check than he did for the five girls he assaulted. Yes and no. Yes, because that sent him back to prison. But because he broke his parole, he had to finish out serving the statutory rape charges. Okay, 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 okay. So after Frank and Sally left Atlantic City, they did go to Baltimore. And at this point, there was already so much fear in Sally and brainwashing that had occurred that he put her in school. Bless it. Because, you know, he kidnapped her in June and this is September. But for people to believe the father-daughter stuff, he had to put her in school. I watched a YouTube video from True Crime with Jenny. Like she said, it's 1948. Homeschool's not really a thing. 
somebody was like, oh, yeah, this is my daughter and I homeschool her now, we'd be like, oh, okay. But in 1948, that just didn't happen. I didn't even think about that. Especially now after COVID, we'd be like, oh, okay. However, they didn't stay in Baltimore very long. They ended up moving from Baltimore to Dallas. Word on the street is that Frank had gotten word that Camden County, where they lived in Jersey, had indicted him for her abduction, which had a three to five year prison sentence. But they had upgraded it to a kidnapping charge, which had a 30 to 35 year sentence. So he was like, uh, let's get the fuck out of here and go way far away from here. So they moved to Dallas, changed their last name again, and they moved into this trailer park. Now, this was like April of 49, and they lived there until like March of 50. So remember, she went missing June of 48. So it's been a while at this point. Can you imagine her poor family? No. For everyone in the neighborhood, they saw Sally as just a regular old 12-year-old girl at this point. Yeah. You know, people thought maybe he was a little of a helicopter parent, but she seemed happy. She had a dog. Apparently, Frank, like, gave her money a lot, like, for, like, as an allowance and that she had a lot of clothes. And I I love how everything's like, she had clothes and sweets. (laughs) (laughs) But she would do things with the neighbors. Like, she would go to other neighbors' houses for dinner and swimming, shopping, like, all the things. She's attending school just like she did in Baltimore, and Frank's working as a mechanic. Like, at one point, she was even hospitalized for appendicitis and told no one anything. So, I'm going to be honest. I didn't find a lot of kind of the day-to-day that she lived with Frank, like the things that he did to her. I'm sure it's out there if you really, truly wanted to find how probably gruesome things that he did to her. Um, we know that there was sexual assault. She's a 12-year-old girl. Like, I'm not gonna, I'm not. Yeah. It, it, shit had to go down for her to be going to school, going to the hospital, hanging out with these people, and never saying a word. Right. She was, had to have been terrified. But there was one lady. Her name was Ruth Janish. And Ruth had a weird feeling. Like, Ruth just felt like something was off between Sally and Frank. She just, to quote, obsessed with disappeared was a down bitch and she just knew. Yeah. (laughs) Like, there was no other way I could describe her. Like, she just had that instinct of something isn't right. So, she really pushed Sally to tell her the truth. And Ruth even helped Sally after she had had her appendectomy and all of that and she just was really trying to get Sally to open up but she just wouldn't so Ruth was like I got a plan Ruth and her husband were going to move to California for work and so she was like let's get Frank and Sally to come with us so she told him like hey we're here we got you a spot right beside us like why don't y'all come so Frank was like absolutely we're coming so it's March 1950 at this point Frank and Sally moved to San Jose to be next to Ruth Janish. Do you know the way to San Jose? Frank ends up taking the bus into the city for work. And he leaves Sally by herself, which happens all the time. Right. But this time, Ruth saw it as basically her only chance to get Sally 
to tell her the truth because nobody really knows why he didn't just drive but he took the bus into the city so he was going to be gone for longer ruth really tried to get the truth out of sally now sally was really unsure about telling her because when they were still in dallas sally actually did tell a friend at school what was going on with frank like said like basically he's raping me and the friend told her that she was wrong and she needed to stop that it was um basically not right that she was having sex with her dad kind of thing wow even though that's not that's not what was happening yeah but it was a lot of like victim blaming like you did this and made him do this you know I, i feel like sally was a little more like apprehensive to tell ruth what was going on because she had been shot down in dallas when she tried to finally tell a friend yeah well and then they just moved to california because ruth and her husband offered and so it's like are they friends with frank i don't think that because it seems like ruth was already pushing sally in dallas yeah true so i don't i don't think she thought anything okay of their friendship But eventually, while Frank was gone, Sally broke down and told Ruth everything and said she wanted to go home. So Ruth showed her how to use the phone and because, you know, she had to make a a long distance call to her mom, showed her how to do it. So Sally calls her mom. But remember, I told you that they didn't have a lot of money. So the line had actually been disconnected. Oh, gosh. Because her mom couldn't pay her bill. So Sally calls her brother-in-law um, because her brother-in-law and her sister, like she knew where they worked at this greenhouse. And so she called there and talked to her brother-in-law. As soon as they got off the phone, he called the FBI and was like, we found her. We know where she is. Well, we didn't find her, but we know where she is. Like, go get her. So the FBI calls the sheriff's department and they all haul ass over to where Sally is. But when they get there, Sally's freaking out because she's like, fuck, I told like he's going to come back. I'm going to get in trouble. And she's like telling the police, like, you got to go. Because for some reason, from what I understand, Ruth like left Sally. What? I I don't know. It was like Sally was by herself when the police got there. And I'm like, why would you not wait? I don't know. But I mean, thank you, Ruth, for getting her to to tell who she was. But like, I just don't understand why she was left by herself. But the police ended up getting Sally to leave. In the best 1950 way to keep her safe, they took her to a home for juveniles. She had a medical examination, and they laid in wait for Frank to come back. As soon as he stepped off the bus, they arrested him. And of course, he's like, um, I'm her dad. What are y'all talking about? And Sally was like, no, he's not. He is not my dad. So they ended up charging him with, it was called the Man Act. Basically, it was transporting a female across state lines with the intent of corrupting her morals. Wow. That's so interesting that it specifically says a female because it's like a boy being a victim of a human trafficking was like unheard of. Right. And unfathomable almost. And so it was like it specifically says a female. Wow. And then to corrupt her morals. Yeah. The police make Sally go to the court to like hear the charges basically while he's being arraigned like she has to be there she's still by herself and she has to be like he's not my dad i've never like seen him before until that day at the store like this is not my dad so the police decided that 
it was better instead of doing like the federal charges, they took him back to New Jersey for state charges. I thought this was interesting that they had to take uh, Frank LaSalle back by train with the detectives like handcuffed to him because the airlines wouldn't allow prisoners to be handcuffed at the time. What? Yeah, so they had to take him back by train. On March 31st of 1950, Sally flew for the very, very first time back to her mom. Now, there was tons of people there because this had like made news. And of course, her plane was delayed. So her mom, who has been waiting 21 months for her daughter, who has been held captive and endured God knows what by this man. And she's like waiting on pins and needles and then the flight's delayed. But eventually the family was reunited. So Sally's sister had her daughter just two months after Sally disappeared. And I mean, this kid's like almost two now, you know, just to kind of put in perspective how long she had been gone. To everyone's surprise, though, Frank ended up pleading guilty. And honestly, I really don't know. I mean, I think Sally could have done it, but that would have just been so hard on her to have testified. But he was sentenced to 30 to 35 years in prison. After all she went through, the press was really weird. In the papers, they would call Sally plump and husky. What the fuck? And it's like, why are we talking about the body of a victim right that has been trafficked for almost two years yeah and has been raped repeatedly by a 50 year old fucking man wow like why why is that even coming up right and of course they talked about that they had sex and all this stuff and it's like no she was raped wow what the fuck A lot of people had a hard time wrapping their head around the fact that she went to school, she had friends, she did all of these things and never told anybody. They just couldn't understand that aspect of the kidnapping. Right. And even her own mom was quoted in the paper saying, whatever Sally has done, I can forgive her. What? Yeah. She didn't go with him willingly. Let's call this what this is. This is a 50-year-old man that pretended to be an FBI agent that scared her into going with him and then repeatedly raped her and God knows what else in order to make her submit to him and be terrified to leave. Frank LaSalle ended up dying of a heart condition 16 years into his sentence. He was almost 70 years old. So Sally ended up returning to school where she was ruthlessly bullied because, again, everybody thought she had sex with this man. And it's like, again, raped, yeah, not the same. And she was a year behind in school than all of her friends because she had missed a year. You know, Sally's family never talked about what happened. Sally's niece didn't know of the abduction until she was a teenager. Holy shit. When Sally was 15, she had convinced her mom to let her go with one of her classmates to the shore for the weekend. So Sally and her friend took the bus up. They had an amazing time. She met this boy named Edward and they fell in love. She was like, oh my God, he's the bee's knees. Like, love this guy. So she told her friend she was going to ride back home with Edward. Oh my gosh, I'm on pins and needles over here. Unfortunately, on the way home, 
Edward crashed into the back of a parked truck and that knocked the truck into another truck and it ended up being a four-car collision where Edward sustained minor injuries, but Sally died instantly. Oh my gosh. Her brother-in-law, Al, was the one that had to go identify her body because she was so mangled from the car wreck that they didn't want to do that to her mom. Bless her brother-in-law's heart. She had a scar on her leg, and that was the only way he was able to identify her body. At her funeral, they had to have a veil that covered her casket. At first, Edward was arrested for death by automobile, but they ended up dropping the charges because it was truly just an accident. And in true douchebag fashion, Frank sent flowers to her funeral. Wow. Of course, the family was like, absolutely not, and they weren't displayed. Yeah. And that's the tragic life and death of Florence Sally Horner, the real Lolita. Oh my gosh. Before we get into if and how that kind of compared to the book, um, we got to talk about apostrophe because they're back and y'all know we love them. Whether you're dealing with breakouts, signs of aging, or acne scarring, Apostrophe's mission is to empower you and help you feel confident and comfortable in the skin you're in. Apostrophe is an online platform and it connects you with an expert dermatology team to get customized treatment for your unique skin. Because you know, skin is the largest organ on our body, right, Carrie? It is. You're so smart. <laughs> Through Apostrophe, you get access to not only the topical medications that you think of when you think of skincare, but also oral medications that use clinically proven ingredients to help clear your acne, help you with rosacea, signs of aging, a variety of skin issues. First things first, you got to fill out an online consultation, and that's all about your skin goals and your medical history, snap a few selfies, and then... A board-certified dermatologist will create your initial customized treatment plan. Because everybody's got different skincare goals. You know, some of us have adult acne. Some of us have dark spots from acne. Some of us just need improving our skin texture. I mean, yes, 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 and yes for me. <laughs> right. I'm like, well, all of the above, but sure. Apostrophe offers access to prescription treatments for all types of acne, too. From hormonal acne on your face, back knee, chest knee, butt knee. Acne on the knee. I've said it once, I'll say it again multiple times because this is my favorite thing. No in-person appointment is needed. No trip to the pharmacy is needed. So that means no missed work because you schedule your consultations with your dermatology team how you want to and they have a lot of appointments available i did mine before work so you don't have to miss any work even just stepping away for the phone call what i liked most is that you can personalize your prescription bottles because it comes with like stickers and stuff so you can be like am pm here's a little sun here's a little moon and they're all spa like i love mm -hmm. them so we have a special deal for our audience. Get your first visit for only $5 at apostrophe.com slash creep when you use our code creep. That's a savings of $15. And this code is only available to our listeners. So to get started, just go to apostrophe.com slash creep. Click get started. Then use our code creep at sign up and you'll get your first visit for only $5. That's apostrophe.com slash creep and use our promo code creep. C-R-E-E-P. Even thinking back when we were growing up and the internet was really starting to kind of 
become a thing with like chat rooms and all of that. I literally can remember being in eighth grade and talking to this guy that I was like, oh my God, da 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 And he was 38 that he told me. Who knows how actually old he was. He could have been 70 or 18. I don't know. But old boy knew I was in eighth grade. Right. And he was into it. And it's like, that's fucking disgusting. Yes, 100%. So honestly, I really can't remember all of the stuff, but it really was like romanticized. But I wasn't like, oh my God, these people are like Romeo and Juliet. Yeah. Like I knew it was wrong. And also you were reading it as a kid. It's so scary to see how people can target these people. And it was purely luck of the draw. Right. Of unlucky of the draw. But you get my point. Like, yeah. Wrong place, wrong time for her. Yeah. She'd never stolen anything. Like, it's not like this happened a lot. You mm-hmm. know, she just was trying to be friends with these girls. And that's what happened. So, yeah. Like, I mean, she was super unlucky but he was super lucky because you're right he didn't like have her staked out and was like okay so i know she grew up with no male figure right her family's poor you know all these things he didn't know that he just lucked up i don't know how much he had watched her before like did he follow her that night or whatever so sad that her life came to a tragic end so young after two years were stolen from her. Mm-hmm. And you know her mom had to just beat herself up because, you know, she let her go on another trip. Her life ended. This is why I can't be a parent because that would be so hard to let her be independent at all after that. Mm-hmm. But you have to. She didn't survive that to be held captive by you. Right. Exactly. Well, my story also takes place in Texas. I know that yours took place in like four different states, but it was weird that like they did move to Texas like randomly. Yeah. So picture it. Arlington, Texas, 2002. Bill Vale had recently moved back to Arlington because he went through a divorce. He had family there, like his younger brother, Bob, and he felt like being around family would help him heal from, you know, everything he just had to do. Also, I love that Bill and Bob are brothers. I think I love that because my family had no rhyme or reason to naming anyone. Yeah. Because I learned that my nanny and my Uncle Bob named Susan. Really? Yeah. So back then, apparently... They didn't know if it was a boy or a girl, but the doctor had said, oh, I think this is a boy. And so they had only boy names picked out. But when she was born, she was a girl. And so they had like a book, you know, like 500 baby names or whatever. And so I don't know if it was my dad or my mom who was like, well, go take this and just see what names y'all can pick out. And then they picked out Susan. That's crazy. Anyway, back to Bill, he had always worked in engineering and like had worked at NASA as a robotics engineer, as a pilot. He worked on some like submarine shit, like very technical. Hold on. Did you say apparently back then they didn't know if it was a boy or a girl? Yeah, I don't know how when that came about when they could tell the gender. Okay. Well, my parents didn't know my gender, so. Oh, okay. (laughs) I mean, I'm sure at some point it was a like a thing before then but it wasn't like commonplace true because my parents had two names for me david or donna yeah 
That was Caleb or Carrie. <laughs> Could not picture you as a Caleb. Well, you're not a David. But again, with this divorce, it really made him rethink his life and he wanted a fresh start. So his younger brother worked at a water treatment facility and he would do home presentations about, you know, like, why do you use our purification, blah, 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 all that jazz. So Bill was like, yeah, I understand the mechanics and the technical side of this and I could totally do it. Like, is it what my dream job was? No, but this is my life now and I get to work with my brother, you know, all the things. So he started working at the same company. He had been working for a couple of months when one day on a Saturday afternoon, a call came in last minute and they needed someone to go do the presentation. So Bill took one for the team and volunteered. Something that was really odd about this appointment was that the woman who made it said that she needed the person to arrive at 5 p.m. no earlier, no later. Well, we're out of that job already. I know, right? Like, oh, never mind. No earlier, can do. No later, (laughs) Well, Bill arrived right on time because he's not us. Walked up to the front door with his equipment in hand, you know, ready to get this money. Well, when he reached the door, he was kind of stunned because he thought he heard some like groaning or loud moaning and some screaming, but he really couldn't be sure. So he knocked on the door because, you know, again, he wanted that sale Well, the door kind of opened like a scary movie, you know, where it's like creaked open. Mm -hmm. So he's like, oh, well, they probably just left it open so I could come in. Because, I mean, they were so particular about the time. Like, they might be hosting something. This might be what I'm hearing. All the things. So he ventured inside a little, you know, calling out, announcing that he was here. And he heard a woman's voice. But she was like chanting something in a different language. And he was correct. There were loud groans coming from a room. Bill peeked around the corner, and that's when he saw this woman who was walking around a few men. It was like three men who were kneeled down in a tight circle, and she was basically walking around them like she was playing Duck, Duck, Goose, but saying Harry Potter spells at the same time. But Bill knew this was no child's play. She started chanting louder and louder as she rounded these men. And then Bill heard her say very loudly, leave these men, go now. So his asshole puckered for sure. We know it had to because when she said now, she pointed in Bill's direction and made eye contact. Exactly. Yours just puckered right then. And that was too much for Bill. He was like, fuck this cell. This shit's too weird. What did I just walk in on? So he called the office when he left and told them that the lady was crazy and not to reschedule him because he will never go back there. So fast forward just a little bit later that night, Bill's at home relaxing, just watching some TV. And, you know, he had his favorite chair that he was sitting in. We all have one. So he was like, okay, this weird day's behind me on the TV. But that's when he saw something out of the corner of his eye in the room. But Bill was like, you know what? Fuck, it could be a bat, a bird, any creature that's not supposed to be here, really. And Bill lived alone, so he knew it wasn't anyone else walking. So Bill searched the house thinking that something had gotten in through the fireplace. Because you know that shit happens because it happened to you at your parents' house. Mm -hmm, Like a bird chased me. (laughs) But he never found anything. So Bill was like, okay, must have found a good hiding spot. Went back outside, gave up searching, and he turned in for the night. 
Well, he was woken up shortly after by the feeling of something running across the foot of his bed. No. And he was like, that damn animal from earlier is here. But this time, Bill knew it had to be in the room because his bedroom door was closed. So, no way it was getting out. So, he looked under the bed, the closet, all the places he could think of in his room. Because he's like, oh, it wasn't a bird. It was a rat. But he didn't find anything. So, this is where Bill and I differ. I mean, we differ a lot, but I cannot rest until a bug or whatever is found, especially the R word. I will move everything of furniture, like every, I cannot rest because I will assume it's going to crawl on me. But Bill was like, all right, must have gotten through a crack in the door or something. It's just a rat, no big deal. So, he lay back down and was able to go back to sleep. But also, Bill's a logical thinker. I'm not. Yeah, I I don't know that if I saw it twice and one was like downstairs in the living room and this one's upstairs in my bedroom, fuck no. However, he was not going to get any solid sleep that night because a few hours later, he was shaken awake. His entire bed was shaking. He honestly thought it was an earthquake. And then he's like, wait, okay, what? You know, like. And then he's like, oh, wait, I live in Nebraska. Just kidding. Texas. Texas. They don't, they don't have earthquakes there, I don't think. <laughs> well, he was like, okay, let me try to move the bed. Like, let me just see if something, you know, like my imagination, like maybe it's easy and I moved it my own self. And he had like a king size bed and it's like heavy, mm-hmm. like wood. I mean, I'm picturing your bed and like that's no lightweight thing just to like shake around. Right. The shaking stopped pretty quickly. So. After he, you know, tried to move the bed and stuff, he's like, all right, maybe it was a sonic boom or something because he lived near an airbase in Arlington. So then he was like, well, and if it wasn't that, it could have been one of the local oil companies having an accident or something. And he was getting like the aftershocks. So Bill logged on to his computer to see what he could find. But all of a sudden, the internet went down. So Bill did the whole, you know, unplug, restart, all the things. But nothing was working, so he had to call tech support. So while he's on the phone with the tech guy, there is some interference that came over the phone. But it wasn't just static. It was like a deep voice in another language and weird sounds. So Bill hung up. He was like, what the fuck was that? Well, the tech guy called him back because, you know, how they take your number and like, what's the best number to call you back on if we get disconnected? Mm-hmm. Well, that happened, so he called him back. And the tech guy was like, hey, we got disconnected. And Bill was like, um, did you hear what I heard? And the guy was like, yeah, I did. Never heard that before. And I can't really explain it because we use secure lines for this, you know, because of training, because of blah, 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 you know, all the things. So Bill was like, all right, yeah, like, let's let's not worry about this. You know, like he was trying to just rationalize everything. So he couldn't sleep after that, even though he tried, you know, he was in bed, but he felt something in his bed. He like lifted the sheets to see like, is a rat in my covers? And he said he felt like a hand grab his leg. He, you know, got up. He was like, this was a no good, very bad day. I'm just going to drink some coffee, stay up and let tomorrow happen, and then everything will be normal again. But just a few nights later, Bill had fixed his dinner, got on the couch, ready to enjoy his meal while he was watching TV, and all of a sudden, a bottle 
flew at him from across the room. And it was like super close and it like busted right beside him. But he didn't even have time to comprehend what was going on because the lights went out. So Bill went to his closet to get a flashlight. And while he's looking for the flashlight, there is a little box on the top shelf and it lifted up and slammed back down. So Bill is fucking flabbergasted by this. He cannot rationalize anything that's going on right now, but he does have a logical mind. So he just keeps trying to reason things away. Honestly, probably just trying to get some sleep. Yeah, this whole thing sounds terrible with the lack of sleep. Right. A little bit later, like days later, Bill called his brother and asked him to come over. And Bill was like, I need a favor. So Bill came clean to his brother, like some weird things are happening. Like, you know, I know it sounds weird, but I need you to get into this closet and just see if anything happens to you. Like turn off the light and just see. So of course, brother Bob was like, the fuck? And Bob was like, I think you're just dreaming this because this isn't real. So Bill's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Thank you for that. But I need you to get in this closet and see if anything happens. So Bob gives in, goes into the closet, turns the light off inside. Bob said that he felt something fall against his leg and something touched him on the face. But it was pitch black in there, so he couldn't see anything. And so Bob came out and Bill was like, what happened? You know, like ready for it. And Bob said that he just needed to straighten up his closet because, you know, like tidy that shit up, dude, you know. Because he didn't tell Bill that he experienced those because in his mind, it was just shit like hitting him in the closet. Yeah. You know, like, oh, that might have been the light string hitting my face and it felt like a hand, you know, whatever. Because Bob said their whole family are logical thinkers and pretty calm, level-headed people. So he just really couldn't buy into Bill's stories yet anyway. But Bill knew he was out of his depth. So he told some other people too. You know, he's like, I got to come clean about this because this is just too weird. Well, one of them was his friend, Michael Higdon. And Michael worked as a sound engineer. Well, while they're on the phone, they're, you know, just shooting the shit. That weird demonic voice distorted their conversation. So Michael was like, what the fuck is going on? He fired up his equipment, attached it, because he's like, this is fucking weird. We're going to get proof. And at the same time, Bill is yelling at Michael to get off the phone, not to listen to the voice. But they never hung up because Bill's just like yelling this, trying to get Michael to hang up. And soon it was back to normal. So Bill was like, I told you to hang up. And Michael's like, well, I couldn't hear you, but I heard that. But here's a kicker, Bill. I recorded it. Oh, shit. So he went back to play it, and it was just silence, like dead air, until a point where you can hear Bill yelling to hang up, and then there's just silence again. And while Michael was recording, he saw the sound bar going up and down like it was recording the audio. And it's nowhere on the file now. Michael's like, this is what I do for a living. I know how this works, and it should not be like this. So this was just another one of those moments Bill was lost when trying to find an explanation. So we know Bill's scientific, but something else about Bill, he's a great cook. Okay, he's a whole package. Mm-hmm. Brother Bob said that if Bill ever invites you over for steak, take him up on it. So that's just what Bob and his wife Cindy did one night. They went over for dinner and to watch a movie after they ate. 
honestly, Cindy was like, I just feel like Bill didn't want to be by himself. And we just wanted to be supportive and be there. And of course, a home cooked meal. We're not going to pass that up. Dinner was fine. They started watching this movie while Bill was in his favorite seat and he saw a dark figure or creature again in the corner of his eye. So Bill was like, okay, 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 Bob, come sit in my chair and tell me if you see anything. But he instructed him like, keep focused on the TV. Don't look over there. Just keep focused, watch it. But if you see anything, let me know. Well, just a few seconds after he sat down, he saw something scatter across the floor out of the corner of his eye. So now Bob is like, what the fuck? Okay. And what else do they have to do? Get Cindy to sit in the chair and see if she can see anything. You know, they instructed her to do the same thing and see if anything weird happens in her periphery. Peripheral. Peripheral vision. Thank you. (laughs) And she saw a creature too. And they looked all over the house like, okay, it has to be an animal. Like we've all seen it now. It's got to be here. But they didn't find anything. So Bill's like, all right, I need y'all to be straight with me. What do you think you saw? Like what animal did you see then? And they're like, okay, no, I don't think it was an animal. And each of them described like the same kind of thing. It was a little human, almost gnome-like in stature on two legs. And Bill's like, yeah, that's what I've been seeing too. And at first I thought it was an animal like y'all, but the more I've seen it, the more detail. And it's not an animal or not a normal one to say the least. So Bill is scared, but over the moon that now this validates everything that's been going on. But like I said, also freaking out because now it validates that Everything is real. Well, Bob and Cindy leave later and they try to get Bill to spend the night at their house. Like, just get some good sleep tonight. But Bill refused because he didn't want to appear weak to whatever was in his home and he didn't want to give them full reign over it. He said he had to figure out what was going on no matter how scary or weird it was. So that night, Bill started to research again for any possible explanations, and he kept coming up empty-handed. He spent all night researching and finally came across a paranormal group. If this was years later, he might have came across paranormal chicks, but not yet. (laughs) This group seemed to be legit. The website said they looked at paranormal activity through a scientific lens. You know, and so they were going to try to find a probable cause and solution before saying, oh, it's paranormal. And he's like, that's right up my alley. Exactly. Bill's like, okay, this is what I'm talking about. This is who I need. Bill contacted them and he talked to Brian Hall, who was, I think, the lead investigator. So Brian and his team showed up. They listened to Bill's stories and they're like, okay, well, first let's see if there's any natural causes for these incidents. They ask about the AC and everything. And Bill's like, yeah, I got that looked at not too long ago. For the same reason, you know, like, because Bill, again, is logical. He's worked at NASA and stuff. So he's going to look at all of these, too, because he's not going to just jump to it's paranormal. But he said that he was getting cold spots around the house. So Sean, one of the other investigators, really dug into that to make sure it wasn't the HVAC unit, but they couldn't find any cause of that. So their investigation eliminated all the possibilities that they could come up with. So they were like, all right, let's bring the equipment in. Let's get it rolling. 
They set up two laser grids in Bill's room, like Bill's bedroom, to catch anything that might not be visible to the naked eye. You know, we have a laser grid pin that, but if you focused it, it would just be the laser. And Mm -hmm. that's what Bo used to love to play with. (laughs) But like, you've seen how like, if you spread it out and it's that grid, it like shines on. Okay. So if something moved, it would make the dots move. Like basically it would just disrupt the grid. So after about an hour, nothing was really going on. So they sent Sean into the room to do an EVP session, maybe stir up some activity. I think Sean was the Aaron of their group. If you watch Ghost Adventures, you get that. But nothing was really going on. Sean, you know, had asked questions and everything. But just as Sean was about to get up, the laser moved. So Sean jumped up and was like, grab the cameras. I got something. I got something. They gather up all the stuff because they're going to go, you know, back to the nerve center and watch it. And all the cameras were dead. Of course they were. Because, you know, drains battery, all the things. But there was one that wasn't completely drained. So they plugged that up and they were able to see this like mist form in front of one of the lasers and it like swirled around it. And then you can see one of the lasers get hit or moved. And that's when Sean freaked out. Also, while they were playing it back, they heard something that didn't sound like Sean. And so they amplified it and it sounded like a man saying, put it back. And then saying, he's coming. Well, right after that, you hear the laser pin hitting the floor. And that just reminded me of me and you as a ghost, me going, put it back. They're about to like catch us. And then Mm -hmm. you put it back, but it falls on the fucking floor. I mean, the fall on the floor, yes, but you would be the one screwing with stuff. You're not wrong. Well, after they review all the footage again and again, the team packs up their shit and they leave because they're not like, okay, now this is how you get rid of all the things. Like they're there to investigate, find whatever they can, then move forward with what can happen, you know? But Bill stays again. He's like, look, I've got to address my problems. I'm not going to a hotel. I'm going to fight it. Like, It's my fight. I'm going to fight it. So he was determined to figure out what this was, how to find peace to sleep and live in his house again. Because again, he was of that school of thought that there was an answer and a reason for everything. So it was solvable. But what happened later that night, Bill said forever changed his life. He was in bed reading, you know, just trying to wind down for the night. And then the radio randomly turned on. So when he was fiddling with that, he said that he thought a vehicle plowed into the side of his house. It was a terrible, loud sound, and the walls seemed to like vibrate from something, you know? So Bill took off and ran outside thinking, oh my God, is everyone all right? What's the damage to the house? Like, whoa, what caused this? But when he got outside, there was no car, no damage, absolutely nothing. So after he thoroughly checked outside, he went back in, but he soon heard another loud crash. This time it sounded like something coming from his dining room. So he headed over there, looked around, no damage. Right when he's about to like let his guard down again, another crash from another room. He went to explore and nothing. And then Bill's car alarm started going off outside. And that sent Bill over the edge. He was like, you have ran me around for the last fucking time tonight. I'm going to send you to hell or you're going to send me to hell. But something's going to happen. 
And almost in response, there is a loud crash in Bill's bedroom. So he ran up to investigate. And that's when it sounded the loudest. He said it sounded like what he would imagine hell or in our words, prison would sound like loud noises, screaming, like you couldn't get any rest. Mm-hmm. Yes. So he was like, oh, my God. And when he thought he couldn't handle that noise anymore, it just stopped. And it was now eerily silent. So Bill was just sitting in his bed waiting for something to happen because it was way too quiet after that. All I picture is the neighbor from Incredibles and Mr. Incredibles is like, what do you want? Like, what are you doing? And he's like, I don't know. Just waiting on something amazing to happen. (laughs) I've only watched that once. Why don't we have the same taste sometimes? I don't know. Yours is bad. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you're not right, but he was right. That that was just an appetizer for his face-to-face with some demonic entity. Why are you going to say appetizers when you know I'm so hungry right now? <laughs> I am hungry, too. Probably was hungry when I wrote this. <laughs> <laughs> so Bill said at the end of his bed, a dark figure rose up from the ground. It was just under six foot tall, completely black, body of a man, and it looked like it was wearing a fedora and a trench coat. So we think that is the hat man, remember? I almost said the tall man. <laughs> okay, okay, well. Him too. <laughs> and Bill said at this moment, fear was radiating deep in his soul. He was like, I've been scared before. I mean, he worked at NASA and was a pilot and all of this. Worked in submarines and stuff. I know he's had some fear, but he was like, nothing penetrated me like this. That's what she said, but continue. Yeah, uh, I was like, ooh, (laughs) left that one hanging. That's what he said. (laughs) So the black figure crawled on top of the bed and was like hovering over Bill, snarling and growling in his face. And just when Bill thought, oh my God, my life is over, the dark entity disappeared. Well, at the height of the activity, because this lasted years, but at the height of it, Bill said it was damn near constant. He said he spent all day being fearful of what was going to happen at night. But he would force himself to stay awake for as long as he could at night and sleep during the day when he could. Because he's still having to work. He's still having to live a normal life. Ish. Right. Yeah. But he was really only able to fall asleep due to pure exhaustion. He said that if no one else had validated his claims, he would have thought like, oh my God, I am going insane. Like the divorce has wrecked me. What is going on? And checked himself into a mental facility if no one else had validated him. He said he was constantly paranoid that he wasn't alone in the house. And he was often proven correct. He would see these creatures peering and darting around corners and then disappearing as soon as he noticed them. Bill ended up having two exorcisms performed on the house, but neither worked. He is still looking for answers. What? Yes. He doesn't want to sell the house. And he said it's not because he's brave or anything like that. But he could not live with himself if he sold the house to someone and they got hurt. He said that whatever may happen to him would not be as bad as him knowing that he did that to someone else. After further research, 
Bill really believes that the lady who called to make that appointment was performing an exorcism or something on those men that day in the house, and she scheduled that appointment to make sure whatever she cast out of those people had somewhere to go, and he just happened to be the lucky fella. Well, that's what I'm thinking. I'm like, well, did he not go back there? You know what? I think he did, and it was like abandoned, Oh, but I'm not sure. So Bill told this story on Paranormal Survivor. He's been on a few podcasts and it took him a while to come forward with this and, you know, speak publicly because of his background in all the science and everything. He didn't want, you know, to be the laughing stock of his peers, but he felt that he needed to warn people that real evil does exist. He wants to urge people to not ignore the signs and to get help if you witness any signs of paranormal shit. He said, whatever you do, please do not ignore or reason them away because they will not go away. They will just become more difficult to deal with if you try to ignore them. So there's a book that Bill's one of the authors on, and it's called Satanic Warfare, Tactics of the Demonic, and then it's like, colon, lessons learned and it provides more details of the years of haunting that bill has endured because that was like at the height of it but he still lives there and he's just trying to understand what is going on he believes that those little creatures were imps and like that dark entity was kind of like the master over the imps you know Mm -hmm. um but he really believes that demonic activity was at his house or is at his house, but not before he went to that lady's house. He was like, I have stayed there, you know, months and nothing ever happened. And then that one weird incident and everything changed. And he said that when he leaves and like, he'll go stay somewhere else. Like if he goes on a trip, he sleeps fine. You know, it's just in that house. But if that woman was casting it out of those people and onto him, you would think it would follow him. You would think. I don't know. But he said, like, it's not always super bad. Like, in all hauntings that take years, sometimes it's just, like, the stuff that you can take, you know. Or mm-hmm. other times it's those loud crashes or, you know, it's making you hallucinate. And So, again, I only scratched the surface of what Bill said he has endured. Poor guy. I couldn't have gone years with no sleep. I mean, not no sleep. I know he's yeah. getting sleep, but shit. I have too much anxiety for that. Mm-hmm. Like, just reading this gave me anxiety. Yep. And I do get what he means, though. Like, that he would always wonder if someone got that house and got hurt. Like, he would probably be so obsessed that he couldn't live, a like, a healthy life. Because he'd always be like, did something happen? You know, like, have a fucking news alert set for that address or something, mm-hmm. you know? But at the same time, I, I I don't know. You try to do your best, which he's tried, like, with the exorcisms and stuff. But that only works for a little bit, you know? And mm-hmm. then it comes back kind of full force at that point, then dies down a little bit. And then, you know, I don't know. That cycle is, that cycle is abusive. It really is. And sounds exhausting. It really does. But I like this story because he, we always are like, oh, okay, well, these people, like, if you came at it through logical thinking, though, it could have been this. And he, he's a NASA engineer. Yeah. Like, he is of that logical thinking. He's not me that's like, a ghost. <laughs> like, yeah. 
no, Donna, it was the wind or like I farted. <laughs> you know what yes, I mean? Which is more likely the story. <laughs> He's not that. And so he really did try to reason it away. And it's good for people like him to come forward to say, look, I did all the things and it still happened to me. Mm-hmm. You know, like I checked everything. I tried to reason it away and it's real. So sometimes you have to trust your gut. But like for real, ain't no way I know how I could survive that without sleep. Same. If you ever need to torture me for information, deprive me of sleep. Look, no one wants you sleep deprived or hungry, okay? You are Groucho Marx. I don't even know who that really is, but I always <laughs> say it just from Groucho. I mean, was he an actor? I don't yeah, know. <laughs> I think it's a silent film. Okay. <laughs> oh, gosh. But you're a grumpy Gus. People would be like, I'm going to torture it. Never mind. Give her food. Give her Snickers. She's not herself when she's hungry. Her Sour Patch Kid comes out real quick. Very quickly. That's me when I get hot. It really is. If I'm sweaty, just don't touch me. Don't talk to me. Don't breathe on me. Don't do anything. (laughs) You're so right. I can't believe there's no ending. I need an ending. Well, you know what? It's real life, Carrie. Well, that's why I don't like the real life stories. Didn't you hear my (laughs) chat at the beginning? Surely with all this stuff he's been on, like somebody can help him. Yeah, I think he's met a lot of people who've tried to help him and stuff, and hopefully he's back to his normal life. Yeah, I wonder how long it's been. Well, hopefully y'all enjoyed this episode, though. I really did not know that Lolita was based off of a true case. I mean, yes, everything's, like, based off of something that you heard or whatever, but, like, it's different when you hear the case behind something. Yeah, that's why I really like the Sarah Wadman piece because it tells more of like the real story. Yeah. If y'all have any recommendations, let us know. You haven't used a recommendation in a little bit. I thought I did last week. Oh, never mind. You did. I don't know. I actually don't know either. I can't remember. <laughs> I feel like I do most weeks. You do, but you haven't lately. That's why I okay. was just like, wait, what? Well, maybe I will next week. So stay tuned. And remember, creep it real and, and don't, don't get scared. scared.